Well, good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our series. We are next week. We will be back in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter nine. So go ahead and read that next week and be ready for that. But today we're going to wrap up our series of We Are, and the whole goal of this series is that that we can spend some time talking about who we are as this body of Christ, who we are, and what we believe. And and over the last several weeks, we've talked about a lot of things that we are. And hopefully what you've done is you found value in what we've done the last four weeks because what we've done has been crucially important for all of us. For those of you that are already members of our church and part of our church, these last three weeks and today are days that are important for us because it reminds us of what is the main thing. It's easy to get kind of bogged down in the the nuances of life and the nuances of church and to forget about what's the main thing that drives us as a body of believers trying to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And we've talked about that. But it's also been beneficial for those of you that maybe are brand new or you've been here a while and you've never taken that step with us to, to join and to partner with us and be on mission with us in this area of East Orange County. And so this series, we've talked about everything that I would typically talk about in a Discover Cross Life, which is our membership class. And so at the end of today, if you're ready to take that step, you're going to have that opportunity. But what we've talked about, I want to remind you, is who we are. We've started with that we are purpose-driven. In other words, that we are on mission as a church, that we are driven by the words of Jesus himself, who said that we are called to love God and to do what else? And to love people. That was not very enthusiastic, right? But to love God and to love people, right? And so we've been called to that. And that's not only uh, what we are called to as a church, it's what we are called to as believers. And I said that first week was, was this simple truth, is that is the very thing, loving God and loving people, that is the lens for how we do ministry. It's how we plan our worship service. It's how we decide what events we're going to do. It's everything that we do, every decision we make is filtered through the lens. Does it help us better love God and to love people. And then the second week we talked about that we are a church that is rooted. And we're not rooted in the philosophies and ideologies of this world. We are rooted in the foundation of God's word. That this is the very thing that we lean on and we go to because God's word is the sole authority for how we should live life. And can I get an amen from the church? Amen. And so we are rooted. So as long as I'm here and as many of you are here, whoever stands on the stage or teaches a small group, we are going to be rooted in the truth of God's word. And the last week we talked about we are committed. That we are church, whether it's through our small groups or through Sunday morning, a worship time, that we are committed to challenge each other and to spur one another on to a greater level of commitment to the Lord. And we talked about a lot of areas we can be committed to. And in particular, last week, we talked about one area. We talked about in the area of finances. Now, today, I'm going to wrap up the series, and I want to talk about maybe one of the most important of all the weeks, and it's this. We are family. We are family. If you believe that, can you say amen this morning? We are family. We operate that way. We act that way. We want to treat everybody that way. We are family. So today what I want to do is I want to answer two questions that I hope you have. Here's the first one. What does it really mean to be part of this family? If I want to be part of Cross Life East, what does it mean for me to be part of this family? And later we're going to talk about why in the world uh, should I want to be part of this family. So let's start with what does it mean to be part of this family? 
And there's five things I want to say to you, and we're going to be turning to different passages, so you won't have time to keep up with me, so you're going to need to look on the screen. But what does it really mean to be part of this family? First of all, it's about a commitment to gather with us. If you want to be part of this family, one thing that we want you to have is a heart where you can make a commitment to gather with us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, what it says. And the writer of Hebrews says it this way. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love, to love and to do good works, not neglecting meeting together as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, they believe that the end was coming soon. And so the writer of Hebrews is challenging these early first century Jewish Christians with this. Whatever you do, don't forsake the assembling together of the body. Whatever you do, don't you dare not show up and be part of a local body of believers because the day's drawing near. And as the day draws near, here's what we know from reading the Bible. Things get worse, right? Evil begins to prevail. And he says, listen, whatever you do, as the end begins to draw near, stay connected to the local body of believers. Don't forsake the assembling together of the body. Now, why would the writer of Hebrews say that? Well, Doug, well, partly because evil was coming, yes. But let me tell you another reason why I believe the writer of Hebrews would say that is because he understood something that I hope we understand. That when the body of Christ comes together through what we've done today to worship and to sing and to adore our Savior, there is something supernatural that happens. There is something supernatural that happens in the way of encouraging and the way of inspiring, whether it's from God's word or from himself or from other people. There's something that happens when the body of Christ comes together that is absolutely supernatural. Randy read this passage a moment ago, but I'm going to go back to it. Acts chapter 2, it says this in verse 42 through 47. And they, being the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had many things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all that was in need. And the day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the numbers day by day those that were being saved. Here's what we learned from Acts chapter 2. When the body of Christ come together, there was something supernatural that took place. Did you pick up on the words he used there? That awe and wonders took place. That there was a level of oddness of who God is and a level of God showing up. I mean, when the body of Christ comes together, God shows up in a powerful way. Do you believe that this morning? Man, I hope you do because some of you walked in discouraged this morning. Some of you walked in with broken relationships this morning. Some of you walked in to completely defeated. But there's something supernatural when the body of Christ comes together and begins to lift up the only name that matters, the name of Jesus. And when we do that, God shows up. And listen, you can't get that on your TV screen. You can't get that from a podcast. Do not forsake this simming together of the body. Listen, here's what I know about my life and your life. When we choose to forsake this simming together of the body, to get together to worship, that's a quick path to discouragement. Whether you believe it or not or like it or not, we need one another. 
We need what we can do on a Sunday morning together because what we do together and the way that God shows up, you don't get from a television screen and you sure don't get from a podcast. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this, you need to make the gathering together of the body a priority in your life. Now I want you to hear me on this because many people, this is offensive to them. So now let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should never take a vacation. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you shouldn't go support your kids and extracurricular activities they're doing. But here's what I am saying. We need to make the gathering together of the body a priority in our life, a priority in our homes, a priority in our marriage, a priority in a relationship that we are going to gather together. In fact, you say, well, Doug, I, you know, because listen, we've all got excuses why, right? How many of you have never gone to church on a Sunday morning, and I would be included, because you just didn't feel like it? Anybody besides me? We've all done it, right? Right? Well, listen, we need to kind of step it up today and realize these excuses, let me give you the Greek word for it, are lame, all right? <laughs> They're lame. Because listen, think about who the writer of Hebrews is writing to. Jewish Christians in the first century who are afraid of their life being taken from them, and yet he's still telling them, make gathering together as the body a priority. I know persecution's out there. I know your life may be in jeopardy, but don't miss your time to be together. Now that makes my excuse of not feeling like it pretty lame, doesn't it? And so I'm going to tell you, if you say, man, Doug, I want to be a part of this, this family of believers, what does it mean? It means having a heart that says, I want to make a commitment to gather together with us. Secondly, a commitment to grow with us. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Now I want you to, to know something tonight, to this morning. The chief pursuit, one of the chief pursuits of all of our life should be growth spiritually, right? Growth in our understanding and our knowledge of the truth of God's word, but growth in our passion to live for him. Now, here's what all of us know about growth. You ready? All of you know this, that growth takes intentional investment, doesn't it? How many of you have plants in your house? Okay, a few of you, right? And so what happens if you don't water the plant? If you go, hey, I'm just going to let you be. I'm just going to see if you can kind of sprout some, some flowers and bud, and, and I'm not going to water you. What's going to happen to the plant? It's going to die. Right? In our household, even when we do water them, things just seem to keep dying. So I get that. But the point is this, is that you don't have a plant that just goes, growth is spontaneous. Growth is just it's one of these things that just happens. No, no, no. It's intentional investment. And listen, if we're going to grow in our passion, and if we're going to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's Word and His truth, we've got to make an intentional investment in the Word, but in people. There is no doubt the Word of God sharpens us, does it not? Amen. It convicts us, it challenges us, it shows us the right path. But listen, what we learn from Proverbs 27, 17 is that we need to be sharpened by other people. We need people in our lives that can sharpen us. Well, Doug, how do they sharpen us? Well, let me give you just a few ways they do it. One way they sharpen us is through hearing their journey. One of my favorite things to do is I love visiting people. I love to go into homes. I love to sit down. I always promise to stay a little bit of time and always stay way too long. I know that. But I love hearing people's journeys. And when I get to hear their journey of faith or what God's done in their life, guess what that does for me? It sharpens me. It spurs me on. 
It makes me look at my life going, God, if they can be faithful with what they've gone through, I can be faithful and I've never gone through that stuff. And so when you get to hear people's journeys, man, that'll sharpen you. And also when you get to sit down with people that are older than you and you get to hear their wisdom. Now listen, can I tell you the kind of wisdom most of them have? is yes, wisdom that came from God's word, but wisdom that came through discipline as they grew in their faith. Things that they did that they shouldn't have done, and God rebuked them and disciplined them, and they learned the way they should have learned. And you need to hear that wisdom. So you can be sharpened by them through hearing their journey, by, by hearing their wisdom, but also, also by letting them speak into your life. Now hear me on this. Sometimes, whether we like it or not, we all need a little bit of rebuke, don't we? Maybe it's with our tone. Maybe it's with what we said. Maybe it's with our actions. You know, there's some, you know, when my boys were little, I loved to coach baseball. And uh, I, I mean, coaching them all sports, I love to coach baseball. But there were a few moments when we would get home, and I'm, I'm a big encourager of the kids. And, and sometimes I had to remind all the umpires that they just weren't the sharpest tools in the shed sometimes, you know? You know what I'm talking about, right? And there'd be times we would get home, and, and my loving wife would go, okay, that didn't represent Christ very well. And I'm sure I made some lame excuse, because that's what I do. But that sharpened me. It sharpened me to realize every day, everywhere I go, somebody's watching. And I'm just telling you, we need each other. You can't do life alone. And one of the best pathways we have for you to get around other believers is through our small groups. We have a lot of small groups that meet during the week and those that meet on Sunday morning. In fact, on the back of your worship folder is a list of all of our small groups. And if you're really ready to make a commitment to grow with us, you need to be in a small group. Because small group is where disciples are made. That's where you get to talk about life. That's where you talk about what you're going through and what they're going through and how does it relate to God's word. That's where you're spurred on in your faith and you're encouraged in your faith. That's where you grow deeper and deeper into God's word. And it's where you build friendships. And I'm just telling you, please hear me on this. And if this offends you, I'm sorry. You were not made to live in isolation. You were made for community. And if you're not in community, you're going to struggle spiritually. And so you say, Doug, what does it mean to be part of this family? Well, first of all, it's make a commitment to gather with us. Secondly, make a commitment to grow with us. And third, <clears throat> I want you to make a commitment to use your gifts with us. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you that think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think of himself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members <clears throat> and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individual members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace that's given to us. So let them that have prophecy, you know, prophesy. And he says here that the, in the proportion to the faith, if it's serving, let them serve. Those who teach, let them teach. The one who exhorts, let him exhort. The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, he says this, we are all different, aren't we? Come on, look around the room. Are we all different? But we're all one body of Christ. And what we're saying is if you want to really be part of who we are and what we're doing here, we want you to commit to use your gifts 
to build up this body. The moment you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit gave you a spiritual gift. And that gift wasn't for you to keep to yourself. That gift was for you to use with a local body of believers to build up the church. Wasn't for you. It was for us. And what does that mean? It means we need you. It means every single one of you brings something to the table that if we're going to be who God has called us to be, it takes all of us, not just me, not just Drew, not an amazing worship team. It takes every single person in this room and your spiritual gift for us to be the kind of church that's going to make the difference that God wants us to make. You matter. You matter. And it's your responsibility to discover what is your gift, to develop it, and commit to use it. And you may say, Doug, I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. Well, I'm glad you said that because on Wednesday nights, I'm teaching a spiritual gifts class at the Oviedo campus. Yes, you're going to catch it halfway through, but as you know, I can talk really fast and get you caught up. But everybody needs to know what your gift is. And if you really want to be part of this family, what does that mean? That means you commit to gather with us, that you're going to commit to grow with us. You're going to commit to use your gifts with us. And fourthly, you're going to commit to give with us. There's two areas of giving I want to talk about this morning. One we mentioned last week, which will be brief. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We are to honor God with our treasures our finances. And we talked about that last week, and I reminded you, we talked about the truth of tithing, and I said that basically tithing was created to protect our hearts against greed, but also our way to show gratitude to our Heavenly Father. And when we realize that God owns everything, it reminds us that we are owners of what? Nothing. Nothing. We're just stewards. And last week, if you were here, if not, go back and watch it. We were challenged, and I was challenged. Let's raise our level of commitment in this area. Let's make sure that we're being faithful to the Lord in our finances. In fact, in your worship folder today, something we hand out last week, it was a commitment card. And if you're a member of our church, we challenge you to do this. It's a commitment card. You say, hey, over the next 12 months, here's what I, I think God wants me to give to the church. Not because we're going to track you down and go, hey, Marty, you're giving too much. Please slow it down a little bit. Or we're going to come to you and say, hey, you've not given anything. Pick up the pace. That's not why that's for. It's there because as a church, we want to be a good steward of God's money too. And the best way for us to steward is to know what we think the body of Christ is going to bring in. But here's why it's also important, personally, for me, because it's an individual commitment that I'm making to the Lord. Well, Doug, you don't have to write it down. You don't. But I signed a contract on my house too, didn't you? Something about writing it down is powerful going, I'm in. And I'm all in. And if you've never done that, man, we encourage you to take that. You can fill it out even while I keep preaching. If you want to drop in the basket on your way out, we would encourage you to do that. So we believe that if you really want to be part of our church, it takes a heart committed to give with us. Give of your treasures. But here's something that's really important. It's the second thing I want you to talk about giving. Mark chapter 10. It says this. And Jesus called them to him and said, you know that there are those who, who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, and they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must first be what? Servant. Come on, must be what? Servant. A servant. 
<clears throat> Whoever be first among you must be a slave to all. For even if the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. What's another thing that we need to give? Our time. Our time. One thing that Jesus was obsessed with was being a servant. You look throughout all the Gospels and you see over and over and over and over and over again Jesus' heart to serve. In fact, the writer Paul in Philippians 2 said that Jesus, when he came to this world, even took on the very nature of a servant. Right? John chapter 13, Jesus, in the last moments of his life, didn't have a moment of R&R. No, he, before they took the last Passover meal together with the disciples, what did Jesus do? He got on his knees and put a towel around his waist, and he washed their feet, and he served them. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And I'm just telling you, that's the heartbeat that should be for all of us in this room. We should know that Jesus desires for us to be a servant just like he was. In fact, in John 13, if you kept reading, he looked to the disciples after he got done, and you know what he said? As I've done this for you, go and do it for one another. In other words, if I've humbly served you, I want you to be a servant to other people. What an incredible statement. And you hear me say this. If I've said it once, I'm going to say it a thousand times. We most look like Jesus when we're serving. Do you believe that this morning? We most look like Jesus when we are serving. In fact, at the very back of your worship folder, there's a list of areas on site because serving is part of our DNA around here. We believe in serving. We're going to do things in the community. We're going to serve on Sunday mornings. We're going to serve in a lot of different venues and a lot of different events and a lot of different opportunities. We believe serving is one of the most important things that can be part of our DNA as a church. And in the back of your worship folder, if you're not serving anywhere on a Sunday morning, there's a lot of opportunities. Now, let me say this to you. Why do I want you to serve? Number one, I want you to serve because we all need to be obedient. And number two... Because God's been showing up around here. I mean, it's been incredible to see the growth in our student ministry, our kids' ministry. Do you know, I think this is, I'm close to the right number here, that if all the babies show up, we just, we have like five brand new babies. And they're all girls. So if you have a small little boy, they got a great picking from, all right? So we have all of these baby girls. So in May, when we do parent-child dedication, we at least have five baby girls to dedicate. All that. It's going to be incredible. But we're up to about, what, 15 babies in the baby room. So for all you older people, they're like, I miss holding babies. Well, we got an opportunity for you. And so look at those things and look at where all the serving opportunities. And you can take that connection card go, man, Doug, I want to serve in this area. And fill it out and just drop it in the, the offering bucket when you leave today. But we want to be a church that only gives of our treasures, but we give of our time. And listen, here's what I've learned about church life. Sometimes... People are more stingy with their time than they are with their treasures. And I'm just telling you, God wants them both. So are you serving? If not, you have that opportunity. Let me give you one more thing. It means to really be part of our church. And it's this. We want you to make a commitment to go with us. Matthew chapter 28, you know this. It's the Great Commission. Be the, go therefore, and that phrase means as you are going, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. What we want you to do is to commit to go with us. What I mean is we want you to be on mission with us. I hope there's one thing that I clearly communicate this morning is if you decide to be part of this body of believers, we're not about consuming. We're not about just setting and gathering and being a sponge and gathering, gathering, gathering. No, no, we want to, we want to consume a little bit, but we want to be on mission for the Lord. We want to go out there and make a difference for Christ. How do we do that here? Well, there's three ways that we want to challenge you to be on mission. First of all, invest in somebody. <clears throat> invest in somebody. Monday night, our, my men's group, we were meeting and we were talking about a passage in, in Genesis and we were talking about investing in other people. I mean, I had the privilege of talking to one of the guys in my group and he's already had like two or three gospel conversations and the week's not even up yet. I'm like, man, you go. Because this guy's decided that I need to be on mission for the Lord and I'm going to go and I'm going to begin some gospel conversation. I'm going to go talk to somebody and just begin to ask them, do they know Jesus? Do they go to church anywhere? And one way that you and I can be on mission together is by spending our time investing in somebody else. Another way we are on mission together is by sharing your faith. Well, Doug, there's just not enough opportunities. I don't very see very many opportunities for me to share my faith. And I would say this to that statement. It's because you're not looking. You're not looking. There's always opportunities. The disgruntled waiter that's going to wait on you when you leave here. The disgruntled cashier at Publix has been there way too long this morning. You're always going to have an opportunity to share the good news and the love of Christ. The question is, are we going to see those and to take those opportunities? We want you to be on mission with us. But a third way we can do that is by inviting people. Invest, share, and invite. One of the greatest tools we have is to invite people to be part of what God is doing here. In fact, if you take your worship folder, you're going to find something interesting in there. There's a little card that looks something like this. Because in two weeks, we're going to have Friend Day. And we're kind of going with the friends theme on this, but we're going to have friend day. And what a great opportunity for you to take this card and you can pick up a whole lot more next week and you can go hand them to a friend and invite them. And when you invite them, you know this to be true, that when they come, they're going to be loved, they're going to be welcomed, and they're going to hear the good news of Jesus. And one way you can be on mission with us is yes, invest in people. Yes, share your faith, but invite them. Invite them to come to a place where they can belong And they can grow and maybe come to faith in Christ. So when you think about this morning, Doug, what does it really mean for me to be part of Cross Life East? What does it mean to be part of this family? It means, first of all, a commitment to gather with us, a commitment to grow with us, a commitment to use your gifts with us, a commitment to give with us, our treasures in our time, but a commitment to go with us, to be on mission. That's what it means to be part of this family. Now, there's one more question I want to cover quickly, and it's this. Why should you want to be part of this family? Doug, why? Well, I could give you a lot of reasons why. I could give you some personal reasons. I told somebody at Manfire the other day, we were talking about this church, and I said, even if I wasn't the pastor and I lived here, I would come to this church because the people, because the way things matter to people here, because the love and the welcome here. I feel like the love of Christ every time I engage people at this campus. I would come here even if I wasn't the pastor. But let me tell you why you probably ought to join this family of believers. First of all, it satisfies our need to belong. 
all psychologists will tell you all day long, the greatest human need is a need to belong. And you belong here. And it will satisfy that need. Another reason it, you maybe want to consider joining this family is because we all, you all have something to offer and we need what you have to offer. And I mean this in a loving way. We want to exploit what God has gifted you with to be the best that we can be. And every single one of you are needed. Every single one of you brings something to the table that we need to be all that God wants us to be. That's another reason you should be part of this family. A third reason is because when you join this family, you position yourself with people who have like passions, loving God, loving people, and like desires to really make a difference. But let me give you one last reason that I think you should join this body of believers, and it's this. It's because we all need accountability and we all need shepherding. You need a pastor to love on you. You need a pastor to call you his flock that can love you and care about you and through the teaching and the preaching of God's word hold all of our lives accountable. Now, this morning, I want you to know a couple of things before I close. That if you decide to join this body of believers, I want you to know you're not joining a country club you're joining a family. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. You're not joining a country club. It's a family. And we're not all about consuming. We're all about being on mission. And so this morning, maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're already a member of our church. Doug, what in the world does this message mean for me? Well, there's a lot for you. Maybe as well, I went through those five things about gathering with us, growing and, and using your gifts and giving and, and going with us. Maybe you looked at one of those five and you go, you know what? I'm deficient in that area. Maybe I don't make gathering the priority I ought to make. Maybe I don't make small groups the priority it ought to be. Maybe I don't know what my gift is and I'm, I'm not being effective like I should be. Maybe I'm, I'm giving of my, my finances, but I'm not giving of my time. Or maybe I've not been on mission with the church. I've joined, but I'm not really on mission. And if you're a member of our church and you struggle with any one of these five areas, my challenge to us today is, would we just confess that to the Lord, repent, and let's get going the right direction again. We live in a place where there's darkness and there's evil and there's wickedness all around us. And we need a beacon of light in East Orange County, don't we? We need a church that can rise up and love people that are not like us, love people who don't act like us, look like us, dress like us. We need to love people from all walks in all areas of life. And so maybe you're a believer today and you're a member of our church and you're struggling in one of these areas. Would you confess it to the Lord and make a new commitment to him? Or maybe you're here this morning and you're that person, because I've met people like this. They'll ask me this, hey Doug, I've been coming for a while. Am I a member of the church yet? Maybe you don't know. Just take the step we're going to take this morning. We'll look later and let you know if you already are. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've been coming for a long time and you've not taken this step. You've been checking it out and we're so glad you have. Or maybe you're brand new this morning and you've just completed your stick for six. You just stuck around for six weeks and you're like, hey man, I, I'm ready to make this move. Today, all of you are going to have an opportunity. Just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to have some of our great leaders that are going to be over here up front and right over here and where the, the pipe and drapes separate. We're going to have leaders there and leaders in the back section over there. And if you're ready to take that step to say, you know what, I really want to be a part of Cross Life East. I want to join this family of believers to be on mission with them. And I'm going to commit to gather, to grow, to use my gifts, to give, and to go with them. 
and you're ready to take that step today, you're going to have that opportunity. In fact, as soon as I get done praying, and as soon as the music starts, I'm going to ask you, if you're ready to do that, just to step out of your row, step out of your seats there, and find someone that's either up here or in the back aisleways. And I'm going to ask our leaders, make sure you're obvious so they can see who you are. And just go to them and say, today, I'm ready to join this church. Today, I want to partner with Cross Life East and be on mission with this church to reach East Orange County. All right? Let's all do this. Let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed.